Hello and welcome to Offscreen and a happy Halloween to all of you guys out there. So this weekend we are bringing you your seven day guide to everything movies and we're kicking off with a little bit of a fun spooky one. How are you doing Van? I'm all good. I'm ready for some chills this year. I was worried we were going to kind of miss out on Halloween, you know, because of you know the world being how it is. But uh, I, we have got some good Halloween offerings, like on the film front this year. And no, I don't think either of us have seen Hoobie Halloween yet, have we? Uh, I have, in fact. I have. Have you? Is it any good? Is it any good? I got to know. I, I actually really enjoyed it. It kind of is back to his uh, Adam Sandler's '90s heyday of, of fun comedy. There's a few amazing cameos in it. Plus, it's got um, what I really enjoyed about it. It's got this kind of scary movie-esque feel to it as well. So it's very silly, Mm. very fun. So yeah, definitely worth your time on Netflix. Excellent. Well, um, Adam Sandler, who obviously had his heyday in the 1990s, uh, let's stick with the 90s, as we so often do, and talk about a a return, a revisit to one of our favourite properties of the 90s, which we were talking about as recently as last week. I think we talked about the the original movie last week. It is The Craft Legacy, which is in cinemas now. It's been in cinemas since uh, Wednesday this week, the 28th, because they want those two days early preview numbers. You know, every every penny counts now. Um, So it is. this is a a new instalment. It's positioned as if it's a remake of the craft, but I'm 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 correct in thinking it's not, isn't it? No, it's not. I mean, there's a similar sort of format to it. There's a girl, new girl in town. She joins a school. She doesn't quite fit in until she re- she meets the other three members of her future coven. There is a little bit of a twist in this. Um, her mum, who is um, who travels into the new town with her, actually. Uh, starts out with a new guy played by none other than David Duchovny um, and they move into his house and it's not just about her fitting into a new school she's got to fit into a whole new family life as well so how long have you been practicing like practicing yeah oh no I, I I never like practiced anything before okay so like when did you start getting a sense of your gift um what are you guys talking about <laughs> What? We're witches. <laughs> it's okay. Come with me. We're gonna learn a lot today. You're a witch. Yep. Yeah. You're a witch too. <laughs> now, I actually, I was, I was bracing for the worst with this one, and I actually came away quite enjoying it. It's not a particularly great movie. I don't think anybody in their right mind could call this a great movie. It's very. I think we, we said this before we before we came on that it is quite televisual. It does yeah. feel. Given how influential, you know, uh, the craft was, like, it, you know, it partly spawned Buffy. It's partly responsible for things like Charmed, for Supernatural, the Vampire Diaries, all that stuff for the last 20 years. Like, the craft has a lot to answer for. It's got a hell of a legacy. So the idea that you'd actually call the sequel The Craft Legacy... And then do that in 2020 in a day and age in which the spotlight since 1996 has swung a lot further onto female empowerment. We've had the Me Too movement, things like that. So there's no point in doing this if you're not going to do anything different and socially relevant with it. So I'm going to ask you, do you think they did a good job in that regard? In in that regard, I think they did an okay job. I think what hmm. I enjoyed was the fact that I felt like I was sitting down and watching my supernatural watching uh charm watching um you know th- those kind of series that i loved it um the vampire diaries that kind of stuff that is definitely the feel that it's got and for that reason i enjoyed it for what it is is it cinematic i wouldn't say so um in no way shape or form but is it enjoyable i'm with you and i remember texting you after i've watched it that and just saying <laughs> i'm hoping 
that you enjoyed this pleasantly and were pleasantly surprised as much as I was about this because I really was expecting it to be terrible and actually the characters were all likeable they're not as weird and creepy mm. and you know you haven't got like a Nev Campbell character that's got these scars on her back or anything like that it doesn't go deep and dark that is an interesting uh, thing about because there are obviously I, I assumed it was a remake at first I thought okay this is going to be like Flatliners where they said it was going to be a sequel and then it comes out and it turns out it's not and Kiefer Sutherland is just there for no reason uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be that again um, luckily it wasn't um, I went in and there's, there's obviously changes they've made. When she, once you figure out that it's not a remake, via way of all the weird little changes that have been made to you know the same basic formula of the first one, the same exact setup more or less, which is, you know, girl, new girl in town, new girl at school, falls in with three witches. But there are one of the big differences they've made is by not having the coven themselves be distinct, you know, uh, larger-than-life character dramas. Like, they don't have their own self-contained arcs. There's no individual storylines relevant to any member of the Coven who isn't our main lead character, who in this case is uh, Kaylee Speeney from uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, which was absolutely forgettable, so, you know, understandable if you don't know who she is, but uh, she's the only one of the four given a sort of story arc in this one, whereas in the previous iteration uh, you had uh, Nev Campbell, for instance, who had the, the beauty scars, you had uh, one who was dealing with uh, abusive father issues. You had one who was dealing with the racial abuse issues yeah. and bullying. Yeah. This time around, that's absent from the coven. They are not out-and-out Faustian villains, I don't yeah. think. They're more of an ensemble as, as a team. And, you know, you've got some really good characters mm. in there, but it doesn't overwhelm you. It feels like a really solid team drama that comes out of this and I think that works really well the only criticism that I've got I mean my expectations were low anyway so this kind of is like a Hmm. middle of the road kind of movie my only criticism was that everything it's an hour and 34 minutes I think and I would have liked it yeah, to be yeah. closer to two hours. Like, I think things happened very quickly within it, which didn't give you a moment to run the pace of what the film could have offered you, which I think is a shame. It's, it, I think I know what you're talking about, and it's what I call uh, Harry Potter syndrome. And it's how all the Harry Potter movies have just this absolute boatload of plot crammed into the final 20 minutes. Yeah. And you're just like, well, hang on a minute, we've just wasted an hour doing... I mean, this movie has a whole what feels like a 15 minutes devoted to this weird uh, twist that they've put on the Ski Ulrich element from the first movie yeah. of, yeah, and uh, so you said that we're going, why did we waste all that time but we're not doing the plot? Like the plot yeah. we're cramming into the end here, and it's not that it's bad, it's a bit CG laden if we're being honest, but I think we kind of knew that any version of the craft was going to be that if you did it now. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a very rushed affair. It's like in that first Harry Potter movie where he gets to the end it's like oh by the way I'm your teacher and I've been Voldemort this whole time he's in the back of my head look I'm I'm the dude who's wearing the weird turban the whole time uh, by the way I'm evil oh look you killed me the end it, it, it kind of has that feel to it yeah I'm with you on that and I just think it, that's the biggest shame about this there is a real little treat though coming up right at the end of it which lays it out mm. potential sequels of this movie which I would be open to watching should they come out in the future. I would as well I think not only does it wrap up its own story it actually does leave it in, in, a, in a good enough way that you could, you would merrily watch another one of these yeah. I think. Yeah um, so yeah so look Ben I think 
I think we both kind of generally are giving positive vibes about this yeah. movie. I think it's pretty solid. How many thumbs did you give it? I'd give it one thumb. It's perfectly fine. You know, just check it out, I guess. What yeah. do you give it? Yeah, I'd do the same. I'd say, actually, you know, it is only available in cinemas at the moment. So um, mm. if it was one on a video on demand or something like that, I would say definitely give it a watch because it's well worth your time. If you're going to traipse out to the cinema, though, don't be prepared for anything overly cinematic because that's not what it is. No, definitely. I think this will find its home on streaming and DVD, definitely. It has that sort of built-in audience. Also, does it make you feel uh, as old as it does me when you start hearing these kids talking about Twilight as their cultural reference point? Yeah, there was a lot of references to Robert Pattinson, and I was like, no, 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 no. No, 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 that's not a thing. No, no. Girls still talk about River Phoenix in movies. That's how culture works. <laughs> I'm not old at all. Um, let's talk then about uh, Shirley that's in cinemas and on demand uh, from today, Friday the 30th. This is, uh, I think it's being distributed by Curzon, so I know it's on demand through the Curzon player. This uh, stars uh, Elizabeth Moss from Handmaid's Tale, West Wing, Invisible Man, and uh, 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 what's his name? Michael Stuhlbarg. You know, Michael Stuhlbarg's in Doctor Strange and the Serious Man, things like that. This is an adaptation of a novel by Susan Scarf Morell. This is basically what you would get if you did sort of a wacky South by Southwest take on like Stoker or Dangerous Liaisons or something like that. And then you played it ironically and involved an actual historical figure. So Elizabeth Moss is Shirley Jackson, the author who wrote uh, Haunting of Hill House. A, you know, iconic, you know, master horror writer that she was. Uh, but she did have mental health issues. And this is set during one of those darker spells of agoraphobia and anxiety. And uh, it happens to coincide with uh, her husband, who's a college professor, inviting one of his pupils, a weirdly now mature young man, uh, Logan Lerman, and his wife, Odessa Young from Assassination Nation, uh, to stay in their home. And no sooner have the, this couple moved in than the mind games and the twisted psychodrama begins. Next thing I know, he's ripping apart a story of mine. Then he has the gall to tell me that he has lost his wallet. Oh, come on. That wallet's been lost for over 20 years. Now, mind you, that story was the most remarkable story I'd ever read. I knew I was going to marry the woman who wrote it. I was going to hunt her down and make her marry me. (laughs) To our suffering, my dear. There's not enough scotch in the world for that. (laughs) So, so Shirley, what are you writing now? A little novella. I'm calling none of your goddamn business. So we both watched this movie, and I know mm-hmm. you actually really loved this movie. I know that you you enjoyed it quite a lot, didn't you? I did. I thought it was bonkers. I, I think, I mean, I know a lot of it's going to be in the, the source material, but it just feels like what would happen if you gave a horror director that remit of just do dangerous liaisons for, like, hipsters and, yeah. and, and just do it ironically because hipsters and just, you know, go bonkers. You have to involve someone real. That's it. That's the only condition. And they just went, ah, Shirley Jackson, why not? And we'll get Elizabeth Moss to do it and just put her in full tilt boogie mode and she's just out and out nuts i had so much fun with her um the only person i feel really sorry for in this movie is logan lerman because he doesn't get a part really 
Despite the fact that he has this fall from grace kind of arc, he doesn't really have much of a much much of a screen time or presence comparable to, uh, you know, the madness that is Elizabeth Moss or the fun that is Michael Stuhlbarg. I don't think it is really her film. And the thing is, is that I think you have to be really in the mood to watch something like this. Like it's oh yeah, absolutely. And I don't think I was particularly in the mood to watch it. I enjoyed her performance. I enjoyed all the performances. Odessa Young, I thought, was really good in this as well. It just because it was so still. It's set in a university and it's set in a house. And that's kind of the two hmm. locations that you see from this. And for me, it feels it like... It feels like a stage play, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I really struggle with that if I'm not in the mood to sit down and just watch actors be really good actors hmm. and do that kind of thing. It didn't capture my attention as much as I wanted it to, but I appreciated it for what it did. It's a hmm. kooky different kind of indie film that tells you a story that you may not have known before it gives you a bonkers character that dominates the screen and it works really well for what it is you just i'm going to push it a million times you just have to be in it and i i can absolutely understand that like every review i've given has been like you know this you need to click with this like until like all falls into place for you you're not going to enjoy it and i think once once that hammer is thrown down i i had a i had a ball with it i mean for me it's equal parts like chamber piece drama uh feminist thriller horror movie it, there's a lot going on here and like you said the word kooky i think that's the word that sums it up for me yeah. more than anything uh written directed by josephine uh, sorry directed by josephine decker i think written by sarah gubbins but uh really terrific movie i i had i had a ball with but like i say you have to be in the right mood so like two thumbs for me i'm assuming one from you but yeah i just yeah it, it sat on the fence for me quite a bit but i didn't yeah it's a marmite you think yeah it's not without appreciation though at the same time Welcome back to Off Screen, and in keeping with the times, we shall keep you on your couch, because that's inevitably where you may be held at this moment in time. Uh, let's talk about movies on Freeview for the next seven days, then, Miss Perfect. And, uh, right, this is a rare one for us, because on Saturday, okay, this is on twice, believe it or not. So it's on first thing in the morning for kids on CITV at 9.25am. And this is on in the afternoon on ITV2 at 4.40pm. I have never seen that happen before. And that is what they are doing this Halloween for Goosebumps, courtesy of ITV. You know I'm a big fan of Goosebumps. Oh, I'm a big fan of Goosebumps as well. I mean, I wasn't actually a big Goosebumps reader. I was more a point horror reader as a child. I, um, I was point horror as well. I was, yeah. I was I was huge into point of babysitter for the win, baby. Yeah, but I think maybe you and I, because we're both the same age, I think we slightly were early, too early for the Goosebumps to really take hold as a book. But I know there's loads of fans of the books out there. And then obviously having it reimagined into a movie starring none other than Jack Black as R.L. Stein works brilliantly as a film. And there was obviously a follow-up to this. What we're talking about today is the original Goosebumps movie. Um, and fun for kids, but fun so much for adults too. What are you doing here? Go home! Not until you explain what's going on. I can't explain it. We were almost just eaten by Frosty the Snowman. So try! Okay, look! When I was younger, I created my own friends. Monsters. Demons. To terrorize my neighborhood and all the kids that made fun of me. And they became real to me. And then one day, they actually became... real. My monsters literally leapt off the page. As long as the books remain locked, we're safe. But when they open, well, you've just seen what happens. 
So the whole gimmick here, which is kind of brilliant, is that rather than just adapt a Goosebumps book, of which there are, you know, literally thousands, and they've just cleverly come up with an original construct that plays meta with the idea that R.L. Stein is both a character and a real author, so he's a fictionalised version of the real guy, and that all of his monsters from the Goosebumps novels are just pouring into the real world, which is kind of like doing the Avengers first in a very weird way, and of course you're Loki being none other than Slappy the Ventriloquist Dummy, who is one of the best kids' horror creations ever i think terrifying and also like i was just thinking it just reminded me weirdly a bit of of who be halloween because what rl stein was just talking Mm. about there was that he was picked on and so he created these characters to kind of and uh, Hubie Halloween, which you can catch on Netflix at the moment as well, is all about like growing up and into adulthood. He, he as Hubie Dubois, is picked on by all of his neighbours as well. So there's a similar arc in all of this, except Hubie doesn't write characters. He's not, a, he's not an author. But you can see where that kind of comes from in terms of a storyline. I can. I mean, if I, to be honest with you, I'm glad you've told me that. I will now watch Hubie Halloween because I, I honestly just thought it was Adam Sandler's version of Ernest Scared Stupid. Yeah. Uh, but, but I'm guessing it's more than that. Um, the other thing is, I remember this coming out and I think it was was it 2016, I think? 2016 into 2017, I think, was the yeah. first Goosebumps movie. But the, this first one, I remember seeing at the time, coming out, raving about saying, look, it's this generation's Jumanji. And then a year later, the same studio put out a reboot, also starring Jack Black, of Jumanji. I was like, that's weird. It's like the new suitcase of a million quid. Just in case, you know, covering my bets. But then, of course, you know, Jumanji and, and this both got sequels as well. So there's a kind of a weird, secular thing going on with this, and Jack Black is in both. Yeah, but it works so well. And, you know, some, you know, Jack Black can be slightly divisive, but I think he's in his mm. element this movie it's perfect casting of him you've got a good kind of teen cast sort of seeing the storyline and the narrative through and the effects are great as well so all round a really solid movie absolutely and if you don't know the Goosebumps novels which I didn't um, you can enjoy this on a level of them just being archetypical monster movie things like oh look yeah. there's a Frankenstein oh, look, there's an abominable snowman um, the other thing is look, going back to the Jack Black thing I think it confirms my theory that Jack Black actually works better in kids movies than adult yeah. ones. If you think about things like School of Rock, for instance, going back to that, how he plays so well in that Goosebumps, same thing. Uh, on to Sunday, then. What have you got for us, Miss Perfect, for Sunday? Well, keep it down, yeah, because we're heading over to A Quiet Place for <laughs> Film 4 for 9 o'clock, so you've got to be really quiet. The world's quietest horror movie, I think, is the way you can probably describe this. So it stars um, it stars Emily Blunt and also her her husband... Oh, I've forgotten his name. Krasinski? Krakow? John Krasinski, isn't he? Not Krakowski. Jane Krakowski, John Krasinski. Who also, I believe, directs this one, or is it the sequel that he directs? It's one of them. I think he's directed the sequel. He's written this one. He's written and directed the sequel. Right. But listen, it's a really solid, solid movie um, about a family who, so there's sort of like a, well, there's like an invasion of something, some sort of alien-style creatures, which are perceptive to sound. So the quieter you are, the safer you are, which makes for a very, Mm -hmm. very silent movie. Hence why we don't have a clip. (laughs) We don't have a clip because there's so little dialogue. The whole thing is, it's contingent on, is it ASL, American Sign Language? Yes, yeah, it is indeed. And, you know, I think... There's, what you see here is really great performances, not just from who you'd expect with Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, but the kids as well that are in this, because it has to be a really mature performance to put yourself in such an unnerving mm. scenario. And there are 
tension hooks in this movie that just keep you on the edge of your seat as to what's going to happen next. It continually surprises you. You don't know how long in like two hours it's going to keep you entertained. But by goodness, it really does. And there are some harrowing moments in there. There's some really clever thought out pieces in this movie as well about how they kind of try to live their life and build around their home mm. to make sure that they are continually being quiet because you are not safe day or night in this movie. Oh, no, you are not. The other thing is, this is one of the best cinematic experiences I've ever had in my life. Talk about a quiet audience. That was incredible. Like, not even a single popcorn crunch in that theatre. It was great. Wow. I didn't catch it in the cinema, but I watched it at home. But I think it's equally as enjoyable at home. So if you are watching it, film for nine o'clock on Sunday, it will work perfectly for you. Two, two things on, on A Quiet Place. I mean, other than we should have had the sequel six months ago now. That was literally the week that we shut down was A Quiet Place too. Two things about it. So first of all, I, I will never stop chuckling at the notion of my, my dear friend John Nottingham came up with, which was, well, hang on. So that means that several times a day, whenever one of them wants to break wind, they have to look, just jog down the road and go behind the waterfall just every single time. And I'm like, yeah, that presumably is exactly what that means. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the other thing is, Apparently, uh, other end of the you know taste, good taste spectrum. Millicent Simmons, uh, I believe, is actually deaf. I think there was one of uh, John Krasinski's casting remits was he wanted to cast an actually deaf actress. Oh wow, I didn't realise that. Mm, That's yeah. So partly why she's so good in it, but a great movie anyway. Um, one that's less great, but still you know decent enough, decent enough fun. Uh, Monday night. Uh, Channel 5 at 11pm. This is one of those schlocky sort of 100-minute sci-fi romps. I don't know if you saw this on on its initial theatrical, which was about three, four years ago now, I want to say. Yeah, and I'd say to you, I could tell you a lot about what happened in this movie, but it's so utterly forgettable that I really can't remember (laughs) anything other than one scene where, and I can't even remember which character it is because there's a few sort of well-known actors in this, but... It's mm. one character basically has an alien-style moment, shall we say, in a room. Yeah, there is. So the movie is Life. It stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Rebecca Ferguson, and Ryan Reynolds. It is set on the International Space Station and involves astronauts coming into contact with a, literally an alien cell, a single cell of alien DNA, and, of course, all the horror-based hijinks that have to naturally ensue. What's going on? <laughs> Nothing in that lab can malfunction. It's on me. Yeah, it's on you. You know, I know at least five guys back home who can do my job. Nobody can do yours except you. We don't know what it is. And you're in there and you're playing around with it like it's your buddy. I'm your buddy. This will never be a controlled experiment. So let's all agree we made our first and last mistake. Can Ryan Reynolds just stick to being Deadpool? Like, and funny character. <laughs> I don't like him when he tries to be serious. It doesn't really work for me. You know what's just... so weird? I, you are far from the only person to say that about Ryan Reynolds. It seems to be his most common criticism. Yeah, I mean, I'm just expecting an expletive or wisecrack or something to come out of his mouth. He's probably pigeonholed himself and will never go for an Oscar as a result mm. of that. But hey, I'm happy with Deadpool. I'm happy with knowing who he is as a comedic actor. Just leave it at that, yeah? <laughs> 
Hey, always remember, you know, Robin Williams was a sitcom actor for years and years before before venturing into feature comics, before then going into acclaimed dramatic work. So, you know, Ryan Reynolds could still have time to become our next Robin Williams. Um, the thing I remember about Life was it was shrouded in secrecy upon its release. This actually is written by uh, Reese Vernick, I think, who worked on the Deadpool script. And so the idea of the writers of Deadpool and the star of Deadpool doing this as the follow-up project to Deadpool was obviously very enticing uh, to the studio. I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Sony that distributed Life. Yeah. And um, they, because it was Sony, because it was shrouded in secrecy, and because it involved this goo-like alien uh, creature, there was a lot of speculation around the time that it was actually Sony doing a stealth prequel to the then-in-production Venom movie. Something that, you know obviously isn't the case although it would be intriguing if there was still like you know this actually did then get followed up glass style in you know venom be carnage or whatever it is venom let there be carnage or carnage yeah. there be or something like that I but, have to uh, say though, like, what 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 a flop that kind of marketing like whatever rumor <laughs> that was because this is quite an underwhelming film for what it is like, you but that's the thing, it got it so much coverage that it otherwise wouldn't have deserved. I mean, it's a yeah. pretty forgettable go-around-the-alien track, isn't it? Yeah, and it's almost too similar that you kind of go, why don't I just go back and watch the, the, the great original Alien and just watch that for all its brilliance? So, look, for yeah, me, but that's like, why don't I watch Hitchcock's Rebecca? Why wouldn't I just watch, uh, you know, the Netflix, the new sexier Netflix one? It's, it's all about the, you know, sometimes you want the, the modern gloss with half as much substance. Sometimes you want the uh, the old school original. Yeah, some people like a bit of trash every now and again. Well, trash trash they've got on Channel 5 at 11pm <laughs> on Monday night. Off screen, keeping your cinema trashy. And now it's time for a part of the show we like to call Off Screen Pays the Bills. Hey, Bex. Oh, hey, Van. How's things been going? Well, you know, with all this lockdown and it doesn't seem to be lifting anytime soon, I'm getting a little bit bored of all of the small talk I'm having to have with my hubby. <laughs> As it happens, you are in luck, thanks to our sponsors this week, the good folks over at bestself.co. So what they've done is they've created this deck, like a, almost like a card game kind of thing. It's a deck of 150 conversation prompts that will... Ooh fit your occasion they will help you elevate your conversation skills and apparently spark deeper and more meaningful conversations but you, you've already married them there so i imagine deep and meaningful yeah but i've got to make sure there's not a divorce on the card so that sounds like uh, perfectly. <laughs> excellent point so this one this covers the whole spread so apparently the new deeper talk deck is divided into six categories so you get courage beliefs life lessons self-awareness dreams and exposure and each one of these prompts is uh, designed to help you basically just level up your conversation and dig a little deeper as it were strengthen your connections and empower you with uh, to get to know tom in a whole different way well sounds like just what we need particularly with another weekend of doing nothing ahead of us so sounds <laughs> perfect <laughs> gone are the days of of asking you know what's new with you like you and i do or saying how's the weather and as a special offer for our listeners you get 20 percent off the best self deeper talk deck by using the coupon code off screen so so for 20% off the Deep Talk deck, uh, visit bestself.co and use the coupon code off screen. Welcome back. 
welcome back to Off Screen. We are keeping you, as you can imagine, on the couch, and we're kicking off the rest of your week with more movies on Freeview, on your telly box, things that you can enjoy for free. So we are starting our Tuesday night. Uh, well, I say starting; it is quite late on the Horror Channel, ten forty-five p.m. We have for you the disappearance of Alice Creed, a film that I know both myself and Van actually really enjoyed when it came out. Big fan of this one. So this was the two thousand nine movie from Jay Blakeson, who whose name I don't really know, other than Jay Blakeson also directed The Fifth Wave for Sony in 2016. Remember the uh, Chloe Moretz YA sci-fi alien invasion movie? Remember that one? Yes, I do. I do vaguely remember that. That's that's a long time. Did you say 2005? No, that was 2016. Feels like it was in 2005, but that one was from 2016. Disappearance of Alice Creed, though, what we're talking about now, this is from 2009. So this stars Gemma Arston, who at that point is at the height of her sort of Tamara Drew uh, fame. Uh, Also stars uh, Eddie Marson and uh, Martin Constant as two uh, ex-convicts who basically conspire to abduct this rich guy's daughter, played by uh, Gemma Arston in full Essex girl velour tracksuit mode. Basically strap her to a bed and play psychological mind games between the three of them as, you know, the cracks between them basically start to uh, allow things to seep through. I said I'm not hungry. That's what I told you, I'm not hungry. You haven't eaten for nine hours, you've been doing physical work and you're still not hungry. No. What? If you're not hungry, it means that something's not right. It means you're thinking too much about whether we've done everything right or whether we've made a mistake along the way that will get us caught and get us 20 years in jail. Or maybe you're thinking about whether we have to rough up that girl or perhaps even kill her. Gemma Arterton around this time made some really clever choices within her movies to kind of cement Mm. her as an all-round, like, go-to actress. I don't know where she's been of late. She's not done as much as... You know, she's never quite hit the heights of A-lister. Here in, in the UK, she's done really well, but she's and she's a known name, but she's not that Hollywood A-lister that you would have expected her to kind of get to. Didn't she marry some lord or something? Like, I think she married some, like, tycoon or lord or something, and then now she seems to be, like, a perfume model and charity activist. That seems to be her thing, which, like, so, okay, that's, that's think, a choice. I think she married some sort of viscount back in the the like 2010s mm. they got divorced i think and she's with uh-huh. someone now. but look uh, around the, the timing that i'm talking about around that time you mentioned tamara drew she mm. then did some trinians she did prince of persia like the big hollywood one with um with mm, yeah yeah nothing that, quite came of them though did they yeah nothing quite came of them. and then she was like do you know what i'm gonna look for some really good sort of indie different movies to really show what i can do and this is a great example of that so i think yeah. you'll really enjoy her performance in this you'll really enjoy the kind of britishness of this movie as well and overall as a as a solid watch at, you know for a tuesday night you can't go wrong with the disappearance of alice creed oh, exactly and despite the fact that it is ultimately a kidnapping drama there is a reason it's on the horror channel which is you know it does have all the trappings of an actual psychological horror film uh more and more an out and out horror film now on wednesday on film four at 10 45 p.m i'm sure you remember the release of this one because this was one of the most anticipated film adaptations ever um and it just opened to 
let's just say diminished expectations because the production was apparently a complete disaster. It is World War Z, the Angus 2013 Brad Pitt vehicle adaptation of uh, Max Brooks' uh, book of the same name. The book is like a series of journal entries from different disconnected characters, whereas the movie follows one character who's like Jerry Lane, who's like a, a UN virologist or like crisis management guy who uh, basically is dispatched to try and find out how the zombie apocalypse has broken out and uh, we've got a clip of him uh, meeting Peter Capaldi who in this movie a year before he gets cast as Doctor Who plays a character brilliantly titled Who Doctor you okay this family has been sent to a refugee camp in Nova Scotia well I'm, I'm sure they'll be safe all right Terry told you who I am what I used to do right Trust me when I tell you, they're not safe. I understand how you feel. Do you? Yes. Yes. You have family? No. No. And you couldn't possibly understand, could you? I lost my son and wife in Rome. Brother, I lost my son to something that had once been my wife. Well, we have all lost someone, Mr. Lang. I love this movie. Same. Yeah, I really, it's so watchable. And actually, given the world that we live in at the moment and how quickly, I suppose, your mm. R, like the R number is and, and all that kind of stuff and how quickly things can multiply, it's not that far off from the multiplication of zombies in this movie. Um, one of the most impressive visuals that sticks with you as part of this movie is there's a, I think it's Egypt or Jerusalem or somewhere where they're climbing up a wall. Israel, yeah. Israel, sorry, mm. yeah. And they are... You see this pile of zombies just go on top of each other to get at the top of the wall. It's actually, it sends you shivers down your spine. It's very, very well done for something that is overly CGI'd. Um, but it works. Mm. It really works. And Brad Pitt is great in this as well. I, absolutely. It's a fascinatingly good movie for the disaster we were all braced for. And incidentally, if you ever want to hear something truly messed up, just go and look up what World War Z played like before they decided to scrap the second half of it and do it again. Because they actually filmed an entire other second half to World War Z, and it was a very, very different, much more disturbing film, and does explain why certain actors are cast in World War Z for what appears to be just like one offhand line of dialogue. It's bizarre. I'm thinking specifically of Matthew Fox from Lost, who appears in this movie, uh, very, very briefly, and it doesn't make any sense as to why. Look that up. Honestly, it's fascinating. But uh, on to, we've got to move on. On to uh, Thursday Night Film for 10.50. This is sticking with the darker horror-edge theme. Uh, Bone Tomahawk, S. Craig Zahler's sort of thundering debut from 2016, I want to say. with the, Also with Matthew Fox, funnily enough. Uh, this one uh, with Kurt Russell in the lead and Patrick Wilson as well and Richard Jenkins. They are a posse that is formed. You know, it's like the sheriff and a couple of the town people to go off and try and recover the abducted wife of uh, the town doctor in the, in, in the old west um, the wife having been abducted by uh, native savages as it were but of course nothing's ever quite as simple as it appears as evidenced by Richard Jenkins being there and uh, well I'll just I'll play the clip for you I don't want to spoil it for you I will say that it does borrow horror theme tropes though hey you watch how you speak to the law. Sheriff especially. You aren't captain. No. I'm the most intelligent man here, and I intend to keep us alive. Oh, you're the most intelligent man here. Is that a fact? It is. 
Sheriff Hunt has a wife. So does Mr. O'Dwyer. And you're a widower. Yeah. What has that got to do with anything? Smart men don't get married. It's a very pithy, very witty movie with a very, very dark heart. Uh, Esker Exali, who would go on, of course, to make uh, a Brawl in Cell Block 99 and Dragged Across cronk- Concrete. Dragged Across Concrete. Why can I never say that in one go? Dragged Across Cronk. That's a whole different movie. Um... Dragged Across Cronk. Yeah, that's a very, very different uh, Emperor's New Groove sequel. Do check this out. Don't look into it. Don't look, don't look up what the big reveal is with it. Just watch the movie, and when it throws the hammer down, when it gives you its... its its true face, you will you will remember and thank me for the recommendation. Uh, on to uh, Friday night, though, to round out the week again and again and again. I will watch this movie so many times. Uh, it is uh, Sony Movies, 9pm, Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise and Emily Bloom. How much do you love this one? Yeah, I think I do. This is like, it go, it's like a Groundhog Day movie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, this and- is the alien invasion Starship Troopers does Groundhog Day thing. Yeah, I think I've seen this once, and I was like, uh, because I think this came out similar time to something that I love, which was Looper. Yes, yeah. yeah, similar time. Similar time, and for me, I was so obsessed with Looper that nothing else really compared, and I didn't, you know, I didn't really want to be watching big blockbuster sci-fi movies at the time because Looper literally blew my mind. So I have seen it once. I suppose you know what you're going to get from Tom Cruise in this. He's good in it. Emily Blunt, she holds her own. Fantastic. Rinse, repeat is what you're seeing on this. <laughs> exactly, because I mean, this is the thing, because it's called Edge of Tomorrow, yet apparently the official title is now Live, Die, Repeat. Um, the title of the original novel, which I prefer, by the way, was uh, All You Need Is Kill, which I think is just a brilliant title for a movie. And, uh, you know, I think it's to Tom, the loss of Tom Cruise's career that he does not have. All You Need Is Kill as a title on his IMDb filmography. I think he's very good in it, though. I think it's a great time loop. Uh, sci-fi action. There's even a mech suit element for the anime nerds in there as well. Uh, big, big, big fun. I had, I had a great time with it. Um, I think it's a, a good, breezy, breezy, but still somewhat substantial actioner for a Friday night. So Sony Movies, 9pm, Edge of Tomorrow. Welcome back to Offscreen for one last ride, and uh, let's let's stop by the DVD and Blu-ray aisle that you presumably now can just order from online because it's not like we can go to actual shops. Remember HMV? That was fun. Okay, so DVD and Blu-rays. <laughs> yeah, I know I can see the look of regret on your face. Monday, November the second, you will have access to through DVD and Blu-ray El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Now I never got to saw this. Uh, never got to saw this. I never got to see this. This starred Aaron Paul because presumably the creators of Breaking Bad, you know, just followed through on their established trend of saying what is it that people really love about this show hmm it's the sidekick lawyer and the sidekick junkie okay yeah that, that makes sense let's just do spin-offs for those i've never seen it i, I will give it a chance at some point but you can also watch monsoon a recent movie starring henry golding as a young man who journeys to uh vietnam from which he has held as a child uh he's there for a family-related task that uh, he won't reveal at first. He starts to reveal to uh, Parker Sawyers, who's an American expat who he meets and enters into a relationship with along the way. So how are you finding District 2? That doesn't feel like the rest of Saigon. I mean, there are some parts that remind me of the Vietnam that I grew up in, mainly the poorer parts. That street behind the hospital. When we first met, you said it was your first time here. Did I? Yeah. 
He did. I lied. Sorry. Why? Keep it simple. You just can't get enough of me, can you? I have that effect. <laughs> All I can ever think with Henry Golding is travel presenter. <laughs> and then when you say he goes to be a this, I'm like, on a travel show? <laughs> he was you know, that's the thing, he was probably just there filming a spot anyway. Let's be honest, you know that the BBC let him do some travel spots while he was in Vietnam filming this. Um it's a it's a pretty good, pretty moving drama. Some good uh, good performances there from uh, Golding and Parker Sawyers, who I think most of us know as Obama from Southside with You, that weird Obama romantic drama for a few oh well right. Obama romantic drama from a few years ago. And um <laughs> <laughs> I know. But that's worth checking out. I would, I would, I would definitely check Monsoon out. El Camino, I will give a look at some point. Yeah. But on to streaming then. We've got some more fun on streaming, I think. What have we got? we got Assassination Nation on Netflix from Sunday. Um, I feel like I've either watched this or I've heard of this. It definitely rings a bell with me. What's it all about? So Assassination Nation actually stars Odessa Young, who was in uh, Shirley. Uh, this is the one, this is like modern day Salem, and they sort of put a violent, you know, alt-right American spin on the sort of witch trials. What they have is uh, like a computer hacker basically leaks all of the town's social media and all their secrets, and basically anarchy then ensues, and it's four girls who sort of band together and fight their way through it. It is bonkers. It is absolutely deranged. It stars uh, Maud Apatow, Suki Whitehouse, Joel McHale and Bill Skarsgård are in there. Um, it, it's it's incredibly violent. I will give it that. It's uh, directed by Sam Levinson. I think it's his debut. He's the actor who's, who's sort of gone into directing. I think he's also related to Barry Levinson as well. Now yeah. you mention it, that you mentioned Suki Waterhouse. I was like, I remember this because she's obviously, Suki Waterhouse is a model who is dabbling in movies where she can. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is something like, this is her, what was the one at Spring Breakers or whatever it was with like Vanessa? Is that yeah, my- yeah, yeah. Similar kind of like, this is the one that's advertised with the flat red cover. Yeah. And the four girls in red raincoats. And it is sort of like a purge type. Thing. Basically, think feminist purge. And that's that's where you'll be at. But you can see this yeah. on Netflix from Sunday, the 1st of November. It's worth a watch. It is quite extreme. Our next one, though, this slipped out of nowhere uh, this week. So the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, is coming to Netflix on Thursday, November the 5th. Um, I don't know why you'd put this out on Bonfire Night. What about SpongeBob says Bonfire Night? But uh, I mean, I'd put V for Vendetta on there personally. But yeah, this was meant to be a theatrical release. Now, as far as I know, Paramount are still releasing this theatrically in the US next Easter, I think. In It's been released in Canada in cinemas, and for some reason in the UK, it got moved from a theatrical release in March to this next month on on Netflix, so okay. Um, Couldn't tell you much about this. It seems to be a a fugitive tale, like another sort of road trip uh, SpongeBob spinoff. I look forward to it. I'm sure there are some great live-action cameos in it, uh, a la David Hasselhoff in one of them. I think Keanu is the SpongeBob cameo in this one. I think he's the big live-action cameo in this, because there's been meme-style images of Keanu being worshipped as a god by SpongeBob, and I think that's from this movie. Oh my goodness, Keanu can do no wrong when he makes a cameo on on animated movies. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you can do no wrong when he makes a cameo on a Netflix movie, apparently. What was the one? that He's always been my maybe or something he was in? Yeah, something like that. I can't remember. But hey, I'm always happy to watch a little bit of Keanu, left, right and centre. Who so isn't? It's, um, it's, it's definitely worth time. And who doesn't love Spongebob? Who doesn't love a bit of Spongebob Squarepants? So look, Spongebob on the run um, is out from, as you say, Thursday, November 5th, Bonfire Night. It isn't your V for Vendetta. It is definitely something a little bit <laughs> and a little bit softer. Funnily enough, our next pick, um, and actually our final pick of what we're talking about today on the podcast, is um, a movie that actually my brother-in-law said to me on the phone the other day. He said, you must have caught this. This is a brilliant take on the world of Spider-Man, and it is Into the Spider-Verse, which is available on Friday, November 6th. I haven't seen this, but I am very... I know. I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it this Friday. I'm gonna be really excited. Oh, to watch it. you got to! I think it is prior to the release of Wolfwalkers this week, which we didn't get to review. Uh, this was the last game-changing work of animation that I can, the most recent work of game-changing animation I can remember, and this was just over two years ago now. Um, it is a computer, a computer animated uh, feature film, sort of spin on rough adaptation of the uh, you know Spider-Verse storyline from the. Uh, the comics that introduces an alternative Spider-Man, Miles Morales, in an sort of alternative New York. So Peter Parker sort of still exists, but this is how another kid becomes Spider-Man along the way. And he has to team up with different versions of Spider-Man from different parallel universes who all cross over to his exact one. And these include uh, Peter B. Parker, who's voiced by Jake Johnson, who's a sort of schlubby dad bod, wasted away version of Peter Parker, like a divorced loser version. There's Nicolas Cage as uh, you know, Spider-Man Black and White. Spider-Man Noir, I think he is. Spider-Man Black and White. John Mulaney as Spider-Ham. Peter Parker. You've got Haley Steinfeld as Spider-Gwen, who's Gwen Stacy from another reality, who became the Spider-Man in hers. And it is the adventure that all these characters go on in an attempt to basically return themselves to their own respective universes. Aim with your hips! Look where you wanted to hit! Double tap to release and whip it out again. Okay. Whip and release. And whip, release. Whip and release. You're an actor. Whip, release. Feel the rhythm. Good, Miles. I gotta say, you're amazing, man. We're a little teeth. Me as the teacher who could still do it. You as the student who can do it just not as good. I'm proud of us. Is there something you want to say to me? It is so much fun. It is moving. It is harrowing. And that, as that clip aptly demonstrates, I was exactly 35 years old before I finally learned how does Spider-Man release the web? And it's... Oh, he double taps. Okay, that, that makes complete sense now that you mention oh, it. Oh, does it? Yeah, so it's, it's Thwip, which is the, 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 the two two yeah. middle fingers down, thumb on top, uh, or, the, or the two stretched out. There's Thwip, and then Release, which is, so it's Thwip, and then Double Tap. That's it. It doesn't make any sense in audio form, but that is finally the explanation as to how Spider-Man's web shooters supposedly work. I have now nerded out thoroughly. I promise you I have touched a boob at some point in my life. Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which will make you whoop, cheer, and cry in equal measure. It's also got one of my favorite moments from any movie ever, which is hashtag leap of faith moment, um, on Netflix from, uh, from Friday, November the 6th. You've got to watch it, Bex. It's so, so good. I am. 
I've heard such good things. I just didn't get around to it first time around. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely up for this on Friday, November the sixth. I thought you had watched this ahead of Oscar night. Uh, year, no. not this last one, but the one before, because this one best animated feature, didn't it? It did. And uh, do you know what? I remember that year. I was at a bit of a scramble to make sure that I'd seen all the big participants for it that I had to kind of prioritise. So I did miss out on it, but I remember us in the talk radio studios um, whooping when this picked up the best panel. <laughs> and then we sort of go, yay! And not really know why I'm saying yay, but I'm sure it was a good thing. <laughs> well, hopefully everyone who has not seen it will now get the chance to on Netflix. Uh, it, like, it's so worth it. It's such a great movie. Don't be put off by the fact that it's an animated movie. Even if you're into animation as well, don't be put off by the style of animation because the style of it is very specific. It serves a function. It's a very, very clever movie and it's uh, just an absolutely brilliant one to boot. So uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Can't recommend that highly enough. I think that's the perfect film to round off a week's discussion with as yeah. well. Yeah, definitely ends on a high there with uh, with you. So you've got a full week of of so many good things, particularly seeing that it is Halloween weekend. You've got a, something that will definitely keep you and also the kids with goosebumps absolutely on the edge of your seat with scares. Um, obviously also out at the moment is the Witches remake as well, which we haven't really touched upon. Of course. But, yeah. um, you know, for me, I'm going to say one thing, which is just stick to the original. <laughs> uh, I also saw as well, I saw Relic, uh, which is a, a new movie opening this week, which stars Emily Mortimer and Bella Heathcote. They're like a, a mum and daughter in Australia yeah. who go home to Grand Grandma's house when grandma goes missing and the house is all rotting and things. Really great movie. Do check that one out if you can as well. I think that one's in cinemas and on demand from uh, today as well. Well, there we go. So you have got everything sorted once and every week for your seven day guide to everything you can need to possibly enjoy your movies even more. So we're going to round it off for this and wish you a very happy Halloween. Uh, my name is Bex Perfect and with me is the wonderful, the only Mr. Van Connor, and we shall return. <laughs> <laughs>